0: Fiat and the USD is the foundation of all international trade, of all international transactions. For countries like South Africa, when we were not in the gray list, it was easier to transact. I could do stuff. Once we got on the gray list, it became harder to transact. Um, I once got my bank account frozen uh, trying to buy rights to a book. Ultimately, that's where I was like, okay, I cannot be using fiat for anything that I'm passionate about because the inconvenience of having to go to a bank and figure out why your account was frozen and th- then continue doing the things you set out to do with the budget you had or now the budget you no longer have access to is very hard and it's time wasted, right? Oh, and fun fact, uh, Machangura is also... A result of that bank account being frozen. I was like, oh, do I spend time figuring out and getting my account unfrozen or do I build something else?
1: Greetings and salutations, my fellow plebs. My name is Walker and this is the Bitcoin Podcast. The Bitcoin block height is 830747. And the value of 1Bitcoin is still 1Bitcoin. Today's episode is Bitcoin Talk, where I talk with my guest about Bitcoin and whatever else comes up. Today, that guest is Kodatsu Nako, who developed Machankura, which allows anyone with a feature phone to use Bitcoin. No internet required. He's also developing a new solution that will allow anyone to self-custody Bitcoin using only their SIM card. I highly recommend you follow him and check out his work. You can find all the links in the show notes. He's building real solutions to real problems that a lot of us in the Western world may not realize exist unless we step outside of our comfortable bubble of financial privilege. As always, you can watch the video version of this episode on Rumble, YouTube, or X by searching at America. Or listen on Fountain.fm or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Bitcoin Podcast. If you listen to The Bitcoin Podcast on Fountain, consider giving this show a boost or creating a clip of something you found interesting. And if you are a Bitcoin-only company interested in sponsoring another fucking Bitcoin podcast, hit me up on social media or through the website bitcoinpodcast.net. Without further ado, let's get into this Bitcoin talk with Kotatsu Nako. I was looking back and we talked for the first time, I think it was August, 2022. And yeah. I had posted some of those, uh, those interviews at that point. I also had a, a much smaller account um, and wasn't uh-huh. you know running the podcast or anything. So, you know, I put it out through the channels that I, that I could, but I was looking uh-huh. forward now that I've kind of built up a little bit more of an audience and also have this uh, official, uh, you know, fucking podcast thing going to have uh-huh. this be uh, a nice, like, touch up again because at that point you uh you had launched in a few countries um but you were still uh-huh. kind of getting much ancora uh rolling you know and and people uh-huh. were were just hearing about it now you've spoken at you know a bunch of conferences we got a chance to meet in person at adopting bitcoin uh in 2023 uh-huh. uh you've been all over i've seen you know uh like alex gladstein's been writing and talking a ton about the work that you're doing and so it, uh-huh. it's kind of this perfect uh perfect time for us to to talk again and yep. kind of see where how things have grown since the last time we spoke and then also i know you've got some interesting things in the pipeline too
0: uh, uh-huh.
1: so it's uh i think it's a an opportune time to dig back in uh, to this this machankora saga
0: most definitely, man, most definitely. Um, and yeah, if it's um, all right with
1: you, I'd love to just start out. Um, we're we're rolling on the recording, so we'll just go right into it if you're good with it. And just uh-huh. for, for anyone that does not know, um, give kind of an introduction of who are you? How did you get here today to be building uh-huh. a solution for uh, Bitcoin that does not require Internet in Africa?
0: Effectively, I am Khorotato Ngaku and i grew up in mamilodi Pretoria, which is a township in south africa and yeah i grew up as a rapper Uh, i don't know what we talked about last time in august 2022 i've totally forgot and yeah so i grew up as a rapper in my teenage years and so what were we doing back then um yeah, rap wasn't one of those things that is embraced back in the early two thousand, late 2000s. And yeah, so we were kind of going against the grain. It was seen as a foreign entity, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. And it was also seen as us trying to be Americans. But then fast forward to the year 2023. Uh, it's like you know, one of the biggest genres in the country, if not the continent, if not the world and yeah so i effectively see bitcoin following a similar trajectory right and short story to the longer story is that when i finished high school i had a decision to make do i continue down this path of rap music or do i be uh, follow a more conventional route in university and stuff so um, my conclusion, uh, since I've been involved in the rap scene since, like, 14, was that, no, um, I've seen where, you know, this road goes, and it's not where I'd want to go. It's, it's for now, right? So let me go something more conventional, and uh, I quit rap. And effectively, the following year is when South African rap effectively blew up, like, 2012. Um There's been a lot of acts before then that were big, but in 2012, that's when you couldn't run away from it. Like, every show, every uh, TV show, everything had rap in it, and um, some of the biggest acts were called Empty. Uh, I think one of the biggest songs was called Roll Up, and... As the years progressed, I was like, damn, I could have stayed uh, a little longer and seen this thing through. And so fast forward again, 2017, I'm now a software developer because I was studying computer science. Right? And I'm working at the Council for Science and Industrial Research. And Bitcoin comes along and everything about Bitcoin resembled a rap in the early days. Right. So if you don't know what rap was like in South Africa in the early 2000s, you should just figure out what rap was like in America in the early 90s, even way before that, maybe even 80s. Right? And I think a lot of people have heard a few stories since rap turned 50 years. And the last year was the 50 year celebration of um, hip hop or rap music. and. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, well, actually, Bitcoin is going to follow a similar trajectory, and we will see mm, way more um, growth in the Bitcoin side because it's not a genre of music that is more tuned to the youth, right? It's actually something, a technology that is um, relevant in all transfers of value that could ever occur. So. I'm like, in 50 years' time, where would Bitcoin be? Uh, But more specifically, where would the early adopters of Bitcoin be? Uh, So um, with rap, I think I was South African rap. I was an early adopter. I listened to a lot of other early adopters. Who knew where this was going? There's an artist called Proverb, a professional verbalist. He has an album called Manuscript, where he's... um, dictating, it's like a manifesto for how big um, South African hip hop music is going to be. He considered his album as part of a collection, you know, it's like a collector's item. And yeah, oh, even here, let me just show you this. Uh, Something to parallel with that fort is, oh, this is a gift I got from Kamel, a Bitcoin calendar, you know, hyper-Bitcoinized Bitcoin calendar from 2022. I think he had one in 2021 as well. And yeah, so this is also a collector's item, right? So I'm just going to put this away, put this safe so that nobody, you know, messes it up and... 50 years into the future, this would be one of those things where we reference, like, oh, this is how big hip-hop is or how big Bitcoin is. And people already knew that the world would get hyper-Bitcoinized, right? Uh, That is what the Bitcoin vision or Bitcoin mission is, in a way. Uh, And, yeah, so I think that is... um, Cool summary for who I am, how I grew up, and why I think Bitcoin is a very
1: interesting thing. I I, I love that parallel, uh, and mm-hmm. I you know, I think it's uh, for a lot of people in the let's say whatever the Western world, like you know America or other you know uh, countries that are deemed those Western nations. You you mm-hmm. see a lot of people uh and politicians or just normal people whatever who say okay yeah you know this this technology bitcoin thing yeah maybe that's cool for some computer nerds but who really needs that you know who who Mm -hmm. really needs bitcoin we've got the dollar and it and it works just fine and so why you know why are you doing this this other thing that's that's never going to amount to anything Mm -hmm. and then you know you see Uh, if you step outside of your bubble, which most people Mm -hmm. probably never will, you see that, oh, wait, there's a whole world out there where Mm -hmm. there are problems that you will never have to deal with as an American or, you know, a Canadian or, you know, a a French person that the rest of the world has to deal with on a daily basis as it relates to money. Can you... uh, just talk a little bit about some of the uh, the issues in Africa that probably a lot of people in the Western world just it's not even on their radar, and they think why would why would you need Bitcoin? Mm-hmm.
0: Cool, yeah, um, yeah. I think we're in a very weird situation where even in developed countries people start seeing why you you would need Bitcoin. right? And I think today I saw a tweet by someone um, he. Posted a tweet last year, late last year, saying his grandmother paid for coffee using a uh, Coinbase card, uh, so it deducted from her um, Bitcoin stack, right? And then the quote said Coinbase closed her account with no reason whatsoever, right? So. Um, I think now we are starting to see more, more and more people in developed countries actually seeing the reason for why Bitcoin, even why self custody, even all these other different things. But with regards to um, things in South Africa, which is um, a little different from the other African countries, uh, because I think we have a little more established financial um, infrastructure, but even there we are not excluded from the um, ill that is fiat currency right so um, in our case uh, south africa recently got um, grey listed uh, because apparently um, the financial infrastructure is not doing enough to combat um, terrorism you know from the what what was it the patriotic act in 2001 or whatever
1: Right. Yeah, the, the Patriot Act. We, in America, oh, we oh, love yeah. to name our uh, our laws to be the exact opposite of what they really are.
0: <laughs> yes, right? So ultimately, that law and um, subsequent laws after it seeped into other countries, South Africa being one of them, where we also do anti-terrorism, blah, 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 KYC, uh, anti money laundering, whatever, whatever. Right? But we technically have not had major uh terroristic threats, right? I think the biggest one we've had was a false flag from the American embassy. Well, um, I think last year they were saying there was going to be a big... Yeah, terrorist act and the Americans um, are advised to leave South Africa or to not go to public gatherings or something. And it was a sham because nothing happened and they just created us there over nothing. But that wasn't the biggest. The most latest one was... Um, the nigerian high commission telling nigerians in south africa to not go out and watch the afghan semi-final because apparently south africans were not going to um react in um what's the word friendly manner if they lost the game versus nigeria right? which we did lo- we, we did lose but there's no reports of any harm being done to a nigerian in south africa because of that loss or any other match we've played, and we've played against Nigeria a lot of times. By the way, Burna Boy once said he wa- he wouldn't come to South Africa because of an exchange he had with a South African rap artist over um, a loss to Nigeria, and you know it's it's banter. But everyone was in high spirits even though uh bernard boy i think earlier in his career he was uh, a local south african for the most part if you wanted to see bernard boy perform you could always go to a club across the street and see him perform that's how much he was in south africa but anyway he's he's cool with the country now he tried to do a show last year whatever and yeah so um, the patriot act and all these laws have seeped into other uh, countries right and other countries are now required to implement them so that they are seen in a good light with the rest of the financial world because technically fiat and the usd is the foundation of all international trade right of all international transactions if you're going to um, send a transaction to another country. It's most likely passing through um, or at, uh, the IMF or the World Bank or something. Right? And so for countries like South Africa, when we were not in the gray list, it was easier to transact. I could do stuff. Right? Once we got on the gray list, it became harder to transact. Right. Um, I once got my bank account frozen uh, for trying to buy rights to a book. A um, book well loved by um, all Bitcoiners across the world. Right, So hopefully I have an update regarding that sometime soon. But ultimately, that's where I was like, OK, I cannot be using fiat for anything that I'm passionate about because the inconvenience of having to go to a bank and figure out why your account was frozen and then continue doing the things you set out to do with the budget you had or now the budget you no longer have access to is very hard and it's time wasted. Oh, and fun fact, uh, Machangura was also um, a a result of that bank account being frozen. I was like, oh, do I spend time figuring out and getting my account... Unfrozen, or do I build something else? Right, and yeah, so I built Machangura, um, and you know, one thing led to another. Um, but even outside the situation in South Africa, other African countries have it worse, uh, like the CFA, the um, colonial franc, where every mm, former, okay, former, air quotes, they still French colonies, sends a portion of every transaction, right back to france and um i think of uh, even a portion of their reserves has to be uh, sent to france as well i think 15 or uh, i don't really know the number so um, get somebody who's um from these countries to actually tell you the full story mm-hmm. and as a result, it's much harder for anyone outside of these countries to do business in these countries, right? let alone any African country, because I think we have the weirdest business laws. Um, but because you don't speak French and um, you are not within the systems, their systems, they seem very foreign to everyone else, you gonna have a hard time doing anything in these countries, right, so, um, yeah, uh, that's part of the reason why even to this day, um, a full year later, more than a year later, I still haven't managed to set up Machangura in a French-speaking African country, right, um, I have tried, it was a long process that hit a dead end, Um, I was trying to get it in Senegal, uh, but I am think I'm gonna just, you know, um, um count my losses and um try to go and Mali now, right? And yeah, so ultimately even if you do wanna, you know, do some of these things, send money, collaborate with businesses fiat is set up in such a way that it's hard to actually do it and um we are not even talking about the wars that are being funded because um fiat allows uh, certain governments to fund endless wars right? not all governments have the ability to fund endless wars at most Every government has the ability to fund um, their own structure on its people. And this is like Zimbabwe, right? Zimbabwe used to be a great country, but um, due to sanctions as well, they had to make a decision like, okay, um, do we continue on the trajectory that we had envisioned uh, for our people? Or do we... um, what's the word, reinforce our structures so that we maintain power over the country at the face of all these sanctions, right? And um, African leaders, a lot of African leaders have had... um, sad endings right uh, some of them were dictators cool but it seems the dictators live longer than uh anyone else right uh you know and um the list goes on thomas sankara Patrice lumumba so on and so forth so um, uh zim you know reinforced their own structure and at as a result, hyperinflation happened, so on and so forth, um, and those stretches are still in place. So Zimbabwe is not yet at the point where it could continue on the trajectory of being Great Zimbabwe, as uh, ancient times uh, dictate. Because sanctions uh, have, you know, caused so much harm to the economy, caused so much harm to how the people and the outlook of the people within the country. That it's much better for them to just leave the country, come to South Africa for a better living even though that better living is something that um, is way below their Uh, qualification. I'm quite sure there's a South African waiter who used to be a Zimbabwean doctor, who used to be a Zimbabwean lawyer, who came to South Africa and worked as a waiter because whatever the making of tips is way more than um, they were making as a doctor or as a lawyer in Zimbabwe. So... um, yeah, there's many different things. And of course, those type of people usually over a long term start uh, finding something else to do outside being a waiter. It's just their first step in the door and then they, you know, uh, do better things and bigger things as well. Uh, so, yeah. So for me, th- things like that um the much harsher uh, consequences of fiat currencies. Right? Because you end up with people seeing other people as mouths to feed and not necessarily as fully functioning human beings that could be productive uh, for the society that they may find themselves. So, yeah, um, that uh, similar story to uh, the former UFC champion Francis Ngannou going to Europe and becoming, you know, the champ um, in the UFC and then now he's transitioning to boxing. But Even he said he wouldn't want anyone in his family to go through what he went through to make it into Europe and then to make it as a fighter because it's one of those things where one bad incident and then you're down the worst path ever, right? And even getting to Europe, uh, there's a whole ocean between Africa and Europe, and you are not going to be on a cruise, you're going to be on a rickety boat and so on and so forth. But um, yeah, so for me, one of the biggest uh, issues with fiat is that it creates a situation where people are seen as mouths to feed and not as minds that could be inventing, creating and being productive in the economy of the society. well and um i understand being against immigration but it would be great if that person could be great where they are born right but today um, it's a lottery if you're born in the wrong country Sorry, um, you're gonna have to hold that for the rest of your life, um, even with like Bitcoin um, and the whole coiner uh, methodology. Um, it's great, um, it motivates people, but there's some people who are just born in the wrong country that would never become whole coiners, regardless of how talented they are, especially if they choose to stay within the countries they were born. Right? Mm-hmm. For them to be a whole coiner, move uh, to a better country because. In the country you're born, Syria, Sudan, uh, Zimbabwe, so on and so forth, you are not going to be able to get paid what you think you are worth. And um, there's an open-source Bitcoin developer whose name starts with a Z and is followed by a few random characters who got a grant from Spiral and wrote a blog that I love. That that's one of the best blogs I've ever read in my life. When he was substantiating the amount for the grant he caught because people were saying, yo, it's from the times zones you're active, it would appear you are based in Asia and Asian software developers usually never make this much money, right? Why is it fair for you to get a grant that is um, American level from in the terms of how much money he got? when you are in a cheaper country, right? Um, Philippines, I don't know what's the cheapest country in Asia, but seems like a lot of the countries within his time zones were quite cheap to live in. And his reasoning was um, uh, effectively the person who's living in America and getting paid great sums of money can live that high standard of living and afford to buy the things that are associated with that high standard of living because of the amount he's paid. And if a person is not living in San Francisco, uh, Norway, Oslo, or wherever else, they would still need to spend a similar amount of money for that high standard of living. Right? A good example is myself. As you see, I'm a little sweaty. I don't have air conditioning in my house. I should get air conditioning in my house, and I will get air conditioning in my house. And um, yeah, and but the cost to get air conditioning in my house or if I'm getting paid an internationally high um, income, right? So this was one of the things in the Bitcoin space where I was like, That guy is right. There's no reason for me to be paid South African rates if the work I'm doing is, you know, globally uh, valuable. And even Indian developers, it's for me, that's one of the funniest things. Um, A lot of companies outsource their labor to Indian developers in India. But when those very same developers do manage to go to these American companies, they become the CEOs of these companies. Right. And I think there was a time where every uh, tech company, every one of the biggest tech companies had an Indian CEO. So I'm like, yo, what if these guys could just do what they're doing in America back in India, where they are the most comfortable, where they have a social network, where they have the history, where they have support, right? So, yeah, so that for me is one of the things where I'm like, okay, if Bitcoin solves one thing, I hope it's this, where um, it breaks down the borders that um have been put around us and these borders have subsequently decided our fate for the most part if we do not break
1: them down ourselves and yeah the bitcoin having is just a couple months away and it's going to be here before we know it so now is a great time for you to get your bitcoin off exchanges and into your own custody a great way to do that is by going to bitbox slash walker and using the promo code Walker for 5% off the BitBox O2 Bitcoin only hardware wallet. It's fully open source. You can go to their GitHub and verify for yourself. It's easy to use. So whether you are new to Bitcoin or you're a seasoned psychopath, this wallet is a great choice. And when you go to bitbox.swiss Walker and use the promo code Walker, not only do you get 5% off the BitBox O2 or anything in their store, but you also help support another fucking Bitcoin podcast. So thank you. I think that that's uh, that's such an important point in terms of just, you know, uh, a lot of people, again, think entirely in terms of their bubble. And when you're born in a comfortable bubble, when like, mm-hmm. for example, in America, you do not realize that you are uh, given these privileges from birth. That just because somebody else and you know none of us choose to be born right, and we certainly don't choose where to be born, but where yes. you are born makes a huge difference in terms of your future earning potential, everything. And mm-hmm. when you're dealing with if you're you know are born in a country, in which the U- United States of America, which is the bedrock with the U.S. dollar, as you said, of the global monetary system, decides that country is you know uh, is not on their approved list. They make it really hard for you to do any sort of uh, any sort of business, you know, outside of that country or get paid from outside. You know, you can't have U.S. dollars Mm -hmm. flowing into that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I there's a couple points I want to touch on uh, from what you just said. But can you uh, uh, maybe I I didn't hear it, but what was the book you were trying to buy that caused them to shut down your bank account? Take a guess. Uh, The the Bitcoin standard, maybe.
0: Yes. Yes. So, yeah, that's oh, a wow. mm-hmm. so yeah so um, they, so they
1: literally shut down your bank account for buying a book or trying to mm-hmm. buy a book
0: yeah by trying to buy rights to a book um, i think they said it was a foreign exchange control finger magicjigi right infringement or something so um it ended up not being that but that's, still you know um it's uh one of those things where they can enforce it first or you're guilty until you're proven innocent with a lot of these laws and yeah so i was like oh cool
1: that's honestly that's that's just insane i mean and it's uh, that's that sucks but it's there's something Mm -hmm. poetic about it at least that it was the bitcoin standard you were trying to you know buy the buy the rights to i mean just Mm -hmm. crazy but you know So there's a few things I want to touch on from what you just said, uh, because Mm -hmm. I think that that idea that you brought up of Bitcoin being a tool by which you can uh, maybe democratize isn't the right word, but where you can equalize the expected uh, value exchange Mm -hmm. across different countries, continents. Because you're not viewed as okay a developer in South Africa or a developer in the Philippines versus a developer in America, you're just mm-hmm. a developer. It doesn't matter where you are, we're connected you know with with the internet and if mm-hmm. you have Bitcoin where you don't need to worry about those capital controls moving money from country to country, then yes. those rates should be the same you know it's it's about the work that you're doing, not where you happen to be doing the work and I hope yes. this helps to bring more uh, equalization of that because it it just doesn't make much sense, does it? That you can you know pay mm-hmm. somebody uh, pennies on the dollar for the exact same work, the same quality of work, uh, maybe for mm-hmm. better work uh, mm-hmm. in another country than you would if you hired somebody who is in America. Like it's just it's kind of insane, honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple other items I want to go into there, but I also want to to talk a little bit. Um, about Machankora specifically, uh, because this is another, I think, uh, so we talked about kind of some of the blind spots for people in the Western world who, when they look at uh, Africa or other different developing areas, they don't realize the problems that people have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Uh, another one of those. So one of those is, is unstable currencies and very, uh, very difficult uh, a lot of difficulty moving money around between countries or even within the country but another Mm -hmm. one is internet access and you know in america it's you know and in uh many parts of the world just about everybody has a self uh, a smartphone i should say Mm -hmm. it's you know very common people are used to uh very stable internet and very solid you know smartphones for you know uh, they, they're getting quite expensive now, even though they should be getting cheaper with technology being deflationary, but that's a different story. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. Uh-huh. in in Africa, not only is there a lot of difficulty with getting a bank account, or in your case, uh, keeping access to your bank account, if you decide to purchase the wrong thing, uh-huh. so you have that, but you also have the fact that not uh, smartphones are not as uh, ubiquitous in Africa. Not everybody has a smartphone. A lot of people have feature phones which are yeah. running on GSM networks. They're not connected to the internet. And, you know, people in America were uh, were will probably, if you're a little bit, you know, older, like myself, you're going to remember using those phones. It was what everyone was using. But uh-huh. they are still very much popular, very much in use in Africa, because the GSM networks are much more widespread than are, uh, you know, 4G or, you know, now getting towards 5G networks. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about... Machangora specifically, how it works with the USSD short codes, and and what was that you know, light bulb moment for you when you said, "Hold on, we don't need internet to use Bitcoin in Africa."
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Oh yes, um, I'm gonna talk about that. But I think one thing, as you were talking, that stuck out. Um, is that one other side effect of fiat and how the fiat system is implemented is that you are profiled, right? So if you are receiving a certain amount of money, the question is what is a a person like you doing receiving that type of money, right? So if you are born in a low income class, and the um, shift from low income to middle income is too quick like it, it, it something happened in your life and now you have a middle income or a high income um, salary chances are you might have an issue with the bank right and it's worse in different countries i think in uganda or kenya they were saying um this other lady was receiving cash from her boyfriend in belgium and he sent it through the bank, and the bank held on to that money and asked her why she was getting that money. She said it was from her, girl, her boyfriend, and they said, no, nope, we don't believe your story. We're gonna hold on to this money, All right? So, we don't know what their business is, and anyway, even let's say it was a scam. Technically, we should be innocent until proven guilty, yeah? It shouldn't be uh, crime just because you don't fit a profile but yeah um then back to Machangura. effectively um when i realized that okay you could build something without internet um the story starts a while ago i watched this documentary called the century of the self uh, about Sigmund Freud and advertising and blah, 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 blah. And there was a sec- section in the um, doki about uh, the medium is not the message on... Wait, wait, wait. The medium is the message on how um, different messages are different depending on uh, the m- medium they are shared in, right? So depending on how basically if it's on TV you could do something that you couldn't do on radio, right? If it's on radio, you could do something that you couldn't do on a newspaper, right? And even music, it's one of those things that has changed with the mediums that it was, you know, um, sent through. I think when people are still using 8-track song lengths or a certain length because of how much could be accommodated in 8-track vinyl as well. B-sides and A-sides are a consequence of the fact that, oh, the vinyl has two sides, so you put the popular songs on A-side and the not-so-popular songs on the B-side. And now MP3s became a thing and streaming is a thing. And technically, With streaming, we should have seen more songs that are long or longer than four minutes, longer than what radio allowed because radio plays a song and then has to play the next one. But what happened is incentives uh, came into the uh, play where um, a person would be paid um, for the 30 seconds. If a song is played for 30 seconds, then you can get paid. But if it's Everything after that thirty seconds didn't matter, so artists wanted to get more plays so that they could they got more paid right and then yeah so the shorter the song, the better because the shorter the song means a person could it has to replay it to get that feeling that the song played for. Four minutes. It's a two-minute song that you replay. Um, it's a one-minute song that you replay three times. Weird stuff like that. And so the medium is the message, right? So, and if you listen to music, you could tell which um, era it's from, just from how long. It is, right? You could guess. And so, effectively, now what happened with Bitcoin, right? Um, Yeah, I saw that and I kind of flip it, uh, went the other way. And I said, the medium is not the message or the message is not the medium. I should probably publish this blog or something. And if you look at Bitcoin, (laughs) even the Bitcoin blockchain, right? You are like, oh, um, it's hashes as long as it's verified. Um, it's valid it's a valid Bitcoin transaction Uh, every transaction comes in every 10 minutes you could technically a broadcast transaction on any other medium. I think um, Blockstream did the satellite, right, where they were broadcasting Bitcoin blocks every 10 minutes. And then I was like, oh, shit, we don't even need the internet. You could just, you know, broadcast it through whatever medium is available to you. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, you could publish a newspaper with yesterday's blocks. And then if a person had a way to, you know, induce or consume one of those um, pages, they could be caught up with the state of the Bitcoin um, blockchain as it was yesterday because newspapers, right? And so I was like, okay, what else could you do with it? What other things could you do with it? And well, in Africa, we have had digital payments for a decade, around the same time as Bitcoin has existed. 2008, Mpesa launched in um, Kenya. It was a big story. I've um, worked... uh, around it on it a bit over the years too. And then I was like, oh, okay, if they could do digital payments over USSD via Mbisa, technically you should be able to do the same thing with Bitcoin. And yeah, so I was like, okay, cool. You don't need an internet connected device. You just need a device that could do some of the things you need done and even less capable if it's a custodial service because it could then store um the funds on behalf of the user and just do most of the stuff in the back end. And yeah, that's pretty much the story behind okay. Um how I saw that okay you don't need internet. And I think uh, probably one of the biggest uh points is a blockstream satellite.
1: Wow. Oh. It it mm-hmm. and I remember when I first uh when I first heard that you know you were doing this and it was uh, I think I first heard about it and it was sometime in the summer of 2022 Uh, this came Mm -hmm. on my radar and I was like oh this is just this is brilliant you know because uh, it's also something I think where somebody in the United States probably wasn't going to figure out that this was possible because they didn't have the force behind them saying I would need to build an alternate solution that doesn't, you know, it's, you know, when you have access to a smartphone and, and a laptop and, uh, you know, internet everywhere, you're not thinking about, okay, what do I do if there's no internet? Cause you're just, okay, yeah, it, I have the internet. Why would I need to use anything else? Bitcoin is sent over the internet. That's the only way I'm thinking about it. But mm-hmm. because you were coming from a different place, uh, both mentally and, and, you know, physically located in a different place, you thought of something that's really so, so simple and so brilliant, but that I don't think anyone else was going to come up with, you know, like, it Mm -hmm. it had to be you, based on your experiences, all those things that brought you to where you were. And now you're, you're live in how many different countries, eight or eight or nine countries?
0: I think seven or eight. (laughs) Yeah, seven.
1: I mean, and it's it's very interesting what you said about the the French speaking countries, and I want to touch on that a little bit later. But just for anyone who is not familiar with what USSD is, it's unstructured supplementary service data, right? And it's it's been mm-hmm. you know uh, available on GSM cellular networks for for some time. Uh, it's it's what Mpesa is using as well, and mm-hmm. basically all you you know you don't need that four G connection. You are just sending cellular data uh, but can you just for anyone who's curious of kind of like the a little bit of the the technical side can you talk about how that works with uh you know setting up uh that that session basically with the okay. uh ussd where you're kind of initializing the session and then you're able to basically make those commands that allow you to use bitcoin over lightning
0: cool yeah so um... How you should think about it is like a live SMS session, right? So you, the user, are going to communicate with me and my service over um, this live SMS session, uh, where you're not charged for each message you're sending, but you're charged for the amount of time that you spent on the session, right? So I think most telecoms either bill you on 20 second intervals or 60 second intervals and so um since it's still based on most of the sms um uh, foundations the character limits are the same i think 160 character limit and 141 of the two and So, or you also have to respond within a set amount of time. So 20 seconds, if the user doesn't respond in 20 seconds, the session dies. If the service doesn't respond in like five seconds, the session dies, or depending on how the integration was carried out. And yeah, so ultimately, you are incentivized to respond in a quick fashion. And so have as little inputs as possible, right? So and yeah, this I think relates to the point you're making with regards to no one else in other uh, developed countries would have came up with this. I think they would because hey, we have quite a lot of talent in the Bitcoin space. Uh, we have a Fiat Jeff, we have a Super Testnet, and so on and so forth. Yeah, Who, yeah, they are mad geniuses and just build stuff to build stuff. Right, um, and we've had something like Quintext, um A service called Quaintex, which was SMS-based. But I think where the issue lied was um, it didn't explore the markets. It could have, right? So, um, yeah. Once you develop it, who are you going to get to use it and how are you going to get to that person. Right? So with our service, the biggest thing we were met with was the fact that the whole ecosystem is Internet based. Right, Every Bitcoin company has an Internet interface. Um, so how would you bring a user into this great ecosystem? Right, And for me, the ecosystem is part of the reason why building on Bitcoin is so easy and so good right? you can always get a business that's been operational for five to 10 years to collaborate with. Right? Maybe not partner, but you know, it's open enough that you could, you know, uh, do something that works on Bitrefill, do something that works on Nesteco. And yeah, so then what happens from there? Um, in my case, I'm like, Okay, what more things could we add so that a user now has a wallet, but then they can participate with the rest of the ecosystem so that they have a reason to open a wallet, not just to huddle and so on and so forth. Part of the reason is the conversation to get a person to huddle takes longer than the conversation to get a person to buy a coffee, right? So... Oh, you can buy a coffee with it. That's like, what, five seconds? And uh, that for me, that is the ideal um, orange pillar length. Right? Um, if you're introducing a person to the service, you just tell them what they could do and you give them the USSD code. Right? And since the UI is, um, you know, it's so constrained, I have to figure out what to put there so that a person can find the thing you told them to do. If you told them create an account, That's the first thing they'll see. If you told them, buy goods or services, uh, that's the other uh, thing they'll see once they create an account. Um, Who are they buying it from? They don't know about Bitrefill, right? But they will learn as soon as they make the purchase that, oh, this was from Bitrefill. They don't know about Esteco, but they will learn about Esteco as they go through the user interface, right? So, yeah. So then you move the bulk of the work from the orange pillar and put it in the um, service and yeah the service is really just a result of me trying to orange pill people in my community and being met with the, oh i don't have a smartphone oh i don't have an internet connected device oh i don't have enough space on my phone right? because yeah these are the three things you'd have to be met with if a person doesn't have a smartphone they have a device like this right it's not a Nokia I'm trying to get a 3310. Please, people, if you have a 3310, reach out to me. I'm going to fly uh, to catch a train, catch a taxi and come get it. Right? And um, the second one, I don't have internet. So how the uh, combat that, I, I would hotspot a person. Right? And so I'd have internet on my phone and then hotspot them. And then they could then download whatever app and do whatever I say they should do. And third, this I couldn't solve. Like, I don't have space. The solution is delete Instagram, delete TikTok. You are not going to win versus Instagram and TikTok, right? And so ultimately with any app you're building in some markets, these these are your biggest competitors, TikTok, Instagram, WhatsApp. And I hate TikTok the most because people are saving videos on their devices for later use. Or for remixing purposes, because they want to learn the dance, so they download the video and learn the dance without internet when they don't have Wi-Fi, and then at a later time, come back and recreate the dance, but forget to delete the bloody video. But anyway, it's all good. And so uh, the USSD thing works great because they don't have to install an app. They just dial the code. Um, The telecom stores a directory of the USSD codes, And then the telecom knows that, oh, when the person dials this code, this person is trying to access Machangura. So it's like DNS, but for ussd codes. And then it passes the request to us. We send a response and all the wonderful things I said happen when you do a ussd session, 20 second timeout and all of that, uh, then uh, kicking into effect. And yeah, that's basically it.
1: It's it's such a such an elegant solution because you know again you're as soon as you're trying to tell somebody about bitcoin right a lot of uh, a lot of people again to to talk about kind of the west versus uh, much of the rest of the world people think about it as the uh, the store of value you know the the savings technology being the primary like that's the primary use case for them right i want to i want to maintain my purchasing power and is that important to people all over the world of course but Yes. for much of the world it's also just about being able to have an easier way to use a medium of exchange a medium of exchange that's not going to be cut off by your bank account or okay. uh won't be allowed to be you know sent from country to country and i think that's something that is missed by uh a lot you know even a lot of bitcoiners who stay inside their bubble not realizing that like yes yes number go up is a great meme yes uh, it is important to have a, a monetary base that it can't be manipulated by whatever government or central bank, but that medium of exchange component is so important. And yes. uh, to talk a little bit more about Machankura, I know when we were talking in, back in 2022, you were throwing around the idea of, uh, cause right now Machankura is a, a custodial solution, right? Like you guys are providing the service. Um, it's, you know It's a custodial solution. And, you know, you were basically saying, you know, there are some ways that we may be able to actually make this a self-custody solution or create another solution Mm -hmm. that is self-custody based on allowing keys to be stored on SIM cards. And if I'm not mistaken, you have started to pilot actually some of this technology. Can you talk a little bit about that and kind of that shift? Because that, that would be one of the main Uh, If somebody was to try and criticize Machankura, they would say, well, it's custodial. You know, you should be giving people the ability to hold their own keys. uh, But you know, you have to trade some of that self sovereignty for the convenience of a great service like Mm -hmm. Machankura. But can you talk a little bit about what your plans are for the self custody side of things?
0: Uh-huh. Cool. Oh, you're lucky, man. You you asked this question right as I have a sim card and the phone right over here, right? So let me try and do a small demo, right? Uh so okay. let me see uh, if I could reduce the brightness first. L L LCD black light, don't go too bright. And then Cool. Yeah, so <clears throat> effectively every sim card has something called a sim toolkit ah, this is torture to demo. But yeah, so there's a SIM toolkit thing here. Let's just say (laughs) it's called SIM toolkit, right? And then you open that up, right? And then with what I'm doing, it's a dual SIM, right? So, oh no, it's a SIM overlay. So this, this this is the bad boy right here. So that chip, Goes over your normal SIM card, right? and then when you open the SIM toolkit, you get two menus. Right? So the first menu item is MTN menu. That's MTN because this is an MTN SIM card, and then the second menu item is Freezer, and that is the thing that I'm building. Uh, you, I'll tell you the story why it's called Freezer after this, after this small demo. Right? So you open Freezer, and you can maybe you see the about, and the about is Freezer, you know, uh, version 001. I don't know. Is is it going to be flipped on your side? Because, uh, but anyway, uh, it's it's all good. Uh, the about and no no, it'll be okay. Okay, cool. Fizz of course, whatever, whatever, right? So freezer You open it again, and then now you go to the wallet, and then you are presented with a menu like send Bitcoin, receive Bitcoin, transaction balance. I can't read. the quest and settings, right? So this is how it's going to work. Settings, um, what is this relay phone number? Oh, yeah. So I open relay phone number and I can see the phone number, which is my relay to the rest of the Internet. Right. So that's the Machangura phone number on WhatsApp, by the way. So if you WhatsApp that number, if you're not in the G20 countries, you'll be able to use Machangura. So back to um, settings, right? So effectively now, if you have the SIM card, In whichever country, you could then set a relay phone number, right? Um, and let's just assume that you could, you know, type out uh, the number that's a relay for your country. Maybe even run your own relays like e- an Electrum server, right? So um, you don't get this data directly from the blockchain. You get this data from Electrum server. This relay, in this case, is an Electrum server with an SMS interface. So you just type out that number, right? And that's how you're gonna get stuff, right? Oh, oh my bad. Um, back. Oh, cool. Uh, freezer again, right? So what could you do? Um, uh, open Freezer. Of course, the first thing you'll have to do is receive Bitcoin. Huh? So when you're receiving Bitcoin, you could display a SegWit address or so, uh, display cast SegWit address. So we're just gonna display SegWit address 1, 2, 3, 4, Five. Ah, cool. And that's your SegWit address. So it takes five seconds for the SIM card to do all that uh, finger majiggies that ends up showing your SegWit address. right? Or you could you know, just um, display it from cache. So I keep a cache on the device. So now you see the SegWit address from the cache. And that's a valid SegWit address that's on this SIM card right now. And you can send Bitcoins to it. Um, I cannot spend it because I'm not that far. Right? But when you're spending, this is how it would look like um, Satoshi's Bitcoin. And uh, you just pick a unit of accounts. sets are the standard, enter how many sats. Um and then enter destination, I think that, oh yeah, enter the address, so you're just going to type out sorry, I say there's no copy and paste functionality, so you have to type out the address you're sending to, whatever, whatever so let's just type out something is This I'm not here yet, I'm, this is me just showing you how it's going to work and yeah, this is just to confirm your action and you just say 1 to confirm Uh, and then it goes through and then it should show you some other stuff that it's going through, but then what is going to happen is there's going to be another section here called requests right so under requests that's where you get signing requests um for your balance so every time the relay sends you something it ends up in the request. so it, oh yeah so now you may see it's all zeros there right so those zeros for now is um, this phone telling me it hasn't received a request right so one uh, and this that's where I'm stuck. Right? So once I'm able to send this phone hmm. SMSs and then uh, consume those SMSs on Java card, I could say one just to say um, as a flag to say, OK, I received this type of SMS and um I'll add the functionality and so on and so forth. But most of the functionality is already there in other Java card projects like uh, Spectre Java card, uh, Status Java card, Satoshi chip. So what I'm just doing is this cool, not cool, but simple interface that a person could use that has a SIM card there and then piggybacking on the GSM connection for the SIM card a person uses on a day to day. To actually send and receive Bitcoin, right? And yeah, so any questions from that side? I don't know if I skipped something.
1: I mean, it's it's incredible to see. So so, and this is actually uh, this is a self custody. Like the the keys are just being stored, uh, you know, stored locally there's no mm-hmm. uh no third party involved obviously you're uh you're forwarding the messages externally but yeah. in terms of the keys this is actually a self custody solution for feature phones mm-hmm.
0: yes that right. and yeah so as soon as we're able to do on-chain transactions we'll explore everything else um i could un- tell you why it's called freezer yeah yeah Okay, yeah, so, effectively, this is called Project Super Saiyan, right, um, I'm a huge Dragon Ball Z fan, I grew up watching it, um, and, yeah, you know, one of the most iconic things is Goku going Super Saiyan versus Frieza, right, and the fight against Frieza was a long fight, you know, five days for the planet to blow up, But five minutes for the planet to blow up, but the episodes were playing for, like, five weeks or something like that, and so... Yeah, so Project Super Saiyan for me is a project where I'm like, yo, what if everyone could literally send and receive Bitcoin? Right, um, And that is what I see it as. I see it as, oh, it's the equivalent of going Super Saiyan in Dragon Ball Z, uh, giving everyone in the world the ability to send and receive Bitcoin. Right? And of course, self custodially is a cherry on the cake. Um, I still believe there's a role to play uh, with being a custodial service Um, and that role has to do with that five second orange pilling session I was talking about earlier, but Sadly, we're not in an ideal world. I used to be in nine countries. Now I'm in seven countries. Because we're not in an ideal world. They could, you know, um, shut down your U.S.S.D. code, so on and so forth. So how do you make this work in a censorship resistant fashion, which is what Bitcoin is all about? And I think Frieza is that right. And I also think that um, every wallet in the space has discovered a lot of interesting things that i'm like i'm gonna use that i'm gonna use that i'm gonna use that um moon wallet um moon wallet shout out to those guys great guys they have effectively made the best um uh on chain wallet in the space right uh or one of the best maybe not the best but one of the best and um why i like it is because they don't do 12-word seed phrase, and, and the reason why I'm saying I like it because they don't do 12-word seed phrases is because not everyone speaks English, so if you're in a market that's not English-speaking, you cannot use the English uh, uh, BIP39, uh, BIP I think, or something like that. Oh, it's not. But anyway, um, you can not use the English word list. You'd have to use the word list for your language. Right. And Bitcoin is decentralized. So there's no official source for the word list. Right. There's the most used word list. And the consequence is that you then have Electrum, which is one of the most popular desktop Bitcoin wallets that has its own English Word list uh, twelve word thing, but a user wouldn't know that oh this thing doesn't interoperate with that um, other thing right so the assumption for a user is that if I have these twelve words, I could open a different wallet and then use uh, bitcoin there so moon wallet uh, they used something like a recovery code it resembles old age um activation codes so It's much easier for me to convince a person to keep an activation code secure because they've seen activation codes before. And yeah, so moon shout out to them and shout out to their, um, lightning, uh, setup, because the other thing with it is effectively moon says, if you can do on-chain, you can do lightning through swaps. Right, so Freezer is also gonna do Lightning through swaps. So we're gonna um, do an on-chain swap on behalf of the user to pay Lightning invoices and or Lightning addresses, whatever comes first. And yeah, so that for us is like thank you, Moon, for actually going down that path and figuring out what works for you guys in Argentina. And then I'm like, I'm going to, you know, take some of that and bring that home. And then there's guys like Phoenix Wallet who are doing a great job as well, right? Uh, Phoenix Wallet, for me, the best lightning wallet you could ever use, self-custodial. And um, currently, it has shaken off all the trade-offs. You would have made as a um, lightning wallet service provider, right? B- by putting all the fees upfront to the user. Oh, you got a Bitcoin balance. You're gonna have to pay to open the channel, right? And so on and so forth. So it's good and bad at the same time because it was seamless before this, right? But uh, the upfront cost for me is okay, right? I I feel like somebody could just sell. Um, the wallet. Right. So, if Phoenix Wallet, let's say, was sold for five dollars or ten dollars. And as soon as you buy it, it comes with um, inbound liquidity because you paid. That's what you're paying for. You're paying for the inbound liquidity. Then you don't have to do um, the whole. uh, The inbound is going to come off your first Bitcoin transaction thing. And the first Bitcoin transaction may fail because at that time fees are too high, whatever, whatever. So you charge a fee for a person to buy or buy a subscription and that price should have the current uh, on-chain costs and whatever else within it so that when a person then opens the app it does that and this is just the ux thing right um you could also do the same thing with uh bitcoin you just say pay this bitcoin invoice this much and then you are then able to um, use phoenix wallet in all its glory but i think in the past year, Phoenix Wallet has um, moved so quick and implemented great features like splicing that they, their UX and their UI hasn't caught up with where they are. Right? And I think over the coming year, their UX and their UI is going to catch mm-hmm. up with where they are. And this is something they've done before because they had Eatlier Wallet before Phoenix Wallet and they effectively deprecated Eatlier for to keep um phoenix wallet running and the ux on etlia and the ux on phoenix totally different but even them i'm like oh that splicing stuff is great um te- definitely gonna take that and bring it into this and why it's great there's this conversation in, around utxos um the small utxos and stuff but i'm like oh okay cool so a person could just um the would splice in their funds and then whether or not they have small utxos is not an issue right so that is a genius solution by the guys at phoenix wallet those french guys are great had the pleasure of meeting them and yeah i wish they continue down the path that they on. was there
1: anything else you wanted to touch on with regard to phoenix uh okay so because what i wanted to uh to maybe talk in a little bit more detail about is just kind of with Frieza, uh, this is now giving the capability to anyone, not just uh, people who are in the countries that are where Machankura is live, but this is something that can be used by anyone, correct? And you know, sure. anyone that has a SIM card, uh, this is going to give them the ability to do self-custody, whether it's on a feature phone or a smartphone. This yeah. is kind of a new self-custody layer. And as you mentioned, building on some existing ideas but this is something that's really completely uh, the implementation of it for feature phones is what is really completely new, right and that ability to okay, I've got a feature phone. I can use Machankura in a, a custodial way to do lightning transactions. I can use bit refill, I can uh, get it as techco vouchers. I can send lightning uh, send via lightning. but then Frieza is giving you the ability to have a self custodied Bitcoin solution so that you can, you know, uh, you know, they say sovereignty is like a spectrum, right? Like you, you know, you're no, one's ever going to be fully sovereign, right? You, you know, you'd have to, too many things would have to happen for that. You'd have to be able to, you know, uh, make your own steel and, and have all of your own fresh water source and many things, but you can get close to being sovereign and little things like Bitcoin self-custody are a big part of that process, being sovereign for it with your money. So, how I mean, you mentioned that you still have a good amount of work to do on it. Do you have a, kind of an idea of when you know you might have people start trying to demo this out and and to to push this live? That's question one. And then, is this something that you're also thinking of kind of uh, pitching to uh, to telecoms to say, look, here's this solution that you can kind of promote as part of your SIM card service that enables people to use bitcoin in this self-custodial way or are you not uh, not looking in that direction too much
0: well um so uh, yes i think we are looking at getting telecoms to push this out okay? um ultimately with how it works or how Java Card or some toolkit applets work the telecom can send the update over the air so um, any telecom interested could literally give this functionality mm. to all its users over the air and um, wonderful people have a bitcoin wallet and no counterparty risk for the telecom and it's also much easier for the telecom to do because um it's their infrastructure so they'd be the default relay of course the person could choose to use a different relay other, rather than the um, default relay and what else? Oh, yeah. So with where it is now, it's in a very weird place where I'm like, yo, this could literally work this weekend right? Yeah? Um, or work in two weeks. I think now the biggest block is the SMS stuff. Um, and that I'm running out of uh, SIM cards, right? I think this is my pile of dead SIM cards. Right. So some things I just have to put on the uh, SIM card itself and test. Um, so what I'm going to do is I think I'm going to talk with the um, Tysis guys. Uh, this is a company. Uh, I don't think they put their name on it, but this is their product. Uh, Sim Overlay. I forgot what the ME stands for, but vault. And yeah, so I'm going to talk with them again, try to get another set of uh, cards. But yeah, it's one of those things. I'm like, wow, it's so close. It could literally happen this weekend once mm-hmm. I solve whatever issue I'm having now. So, um, yeah. and So, yeah, expect a demo video um, out of nowhere on the Manchangkura account on Twitter. I'm just waiting to figure out which song to use. And, yeah. Um, but I think I have one good song in mind that a lot of people are not going to like. But anyway, it is what it is. And, yeah.
1: Uh, I, I'm looking forward to the demo video and I, I appreciate you giving us kind of a little sneak peek, uh, demo here today. Um, I'll, I'll probably, uh, cut, uh, if it's cool with you, you know, cut that part out and I can share that one as just a, Hey, he, you know, here's a preliminary, uh, demo and, you know, kind of what this idea is. Cause I think that this is really, really powerful and I would encourage uh, people who are, uh, in the, uh, still Maybe you know they're into Bitcoin, but you're still living in a little bit of a bubble, perhaps. Uh, to check this out and to think about the implications of something like this, and as you said, you know whether you're working directly with the telecoms or not, the telecoms can provide a a smoother path to getting this out to people if they're also promoting it. That's great, but either way, this is something that anyone would be able to run and be able to use Bitcoin in a self-sovereign way, and to do it without needing to ask for permission and to do it on any sort of device so it's it's not limiting whatsoever. You don't have to be able to download an app. You can just run this on your SIM card. And I think that that's so powerful. And I, you know, I'm I'm really excited to see this go live because I think that it's these kind of stories and these kind of projects that people like yourself just say, "You know what?" fuck it i'm just going to build this because i want to see this and i know that people will will want to use this and you don't ask for permission and you just do it and this is what the stuff that is uh sneaking in in the background that the people who are just paying attention to the bitcoin etfs in the usa or you know number go up they're they're not seeing this and certainly uh you know governments aren't paying attention to this kind of thing they're not realizing that while they're looking over here there's a whole group of developers like yourself uh, who are just building stuff that once it's out there in the open, it, it's it's out there for anyone and it can't be stopped. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about Bitcoin. It's, you know, again, you're not asking for permission. It's not the, the fiat world where you need to, where you're guilty until proven innocent. Uh, you're just putting it out there and then it's out there forever for anyone to use. And so it's, it's really cool to see this develop and uh it's cool as well to see kind of that this was to you know in 2022 this was something that you were just kind of like talking about like oh this would be cool if we you know if we could do this there's there's probably a way to do this and now you're literally just building it like it's i don't know it's it's beautiful to watch that journey
0: thank you thank you man and yeah i think that's one of the and craziest so things
1: i i want to be i want to uh, sorry go ahead
0: oh no no, you just uh continue talking you want to be
1: oh yeah I was gonna say I want to be conscious of uh of your time here if you have a couple more minutes though we uh I'd love to just talk a little bit more uh, kind of you were talking earlier in a more general sense about the the fiat world the fiat mentality again the you know you had your bank account shut down for just trying to uh to buy a book like these are things that sound like they might be ridiculous to someone who's never had it happen to them, but it can happen to you. Uh it's mm-hmm. just a matter of time, depending on where you live in this world and what you're trying to do. Because at a certain point, someone who's in charge of your money, which is there's always someone in charge of your money when it's fiat. Someone it's can like just say, money, I don't man. like what you're doing, I don't like what you're buying, I don't like what Yeah, exactly. It's not your money. I, I don't like what you're saying on the internet. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. shut you down. And I mean, maybe just to going through that experience for you, and now deciding to say, you know what? Because of this, I'm gonna just I'm gonna build freedom tech on Bitcoin. What is kind of you know your message both to uh, to maybe other developers who are saying, you know, wow, I, you know, I'm inspired by this. I want to try to to work on things like this too, or to people who still don't yet see uh, the problem with their fiat system that they use because it hasn't been a problem for them yet. They haven't felt mm-hmm. the pain yet. But at a certain point, they will, everyone's going to feel that pain, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I feel like it's one of those things that the movie The Matrix got so right. Uh, um, everyone kind of feels that like, Norman, there's something wrong with this society the thing we call a society right there's really something wrong with it and things shouldn't be like this. even as you're mentioning that um smartphones should be cheaper because uh, technology is deflationary but nope they're not they're getting more expensive and the baseline smartphones don't get sold anymore right um, I have a conspiracy theory that due to the fact that other companies buy shares in other companies and be sit on boards of other companies, the companies that should be doing well in the entry level products drop the ball a lot. This is your opos your Samsungs, and whatever else. And when they drop the ball. They let the ball roll instead of saying, "Oh, I'm going to pick it up and fix that issue so that we keep these customers you know um and no, oh, the other thing is the system the fiat systems if they it sees that oh, these guys are basically you know doing what they shouldn't be doing, which is falling in line, they over correct. Right, and this is what happened with Hawaii, or the the phone manufacturer, right? As it was becoming the world's best-selling phone, uh, set smartphone, uh, because it was catering very well to the low-income earners and the high-income earners, because they understood people want a good camera on their phones, and they just put the best cameras they could find on those phones. I don't know about everything else, but. Yeah, uh, if the camera is good, a person, the average person, is happy, and they overcorrected with the sanctions, and now they don't even have a Play Store or a standard Play Store, and they Hawaii or I can't pronounce their name have had to figure out how to continue <laughs> doing business right um, in this type of environment, and I, I I've said this on on some other podcasts. I really feel sorry for the Chinese entrepreneurs because when they do something well, they never get the credit for being the entrepreneur that went out and Doing that thing, right? Um, if Hawaii's, ZTE, even Jack Ma, right? If they're too big, they get the association that it's the Chinese government. Even TikTok with ByteDance, so uh, America said, "Oh, you cannot run that against national security." But uh, TikTok is still in America because they put an American-approved uh, CEO and so on and so forth. And the actual TikTok CEO cannot get that glory for doing what he did with Tiktok, right? And then they cannot even be proud of what they did in China, because they will get Jack Mad right? So if you don't know what getting Jack Mad is, is Jack Ma saying, um, what's his company Ant or Alibaba or whatever else? did so well without the Chinese government and the Chinese government stood up and made him disappear for a few months just to re-educate him on the topic of the role that the Chinese government plays in his success. So yeah, um, but yeah, then with regards to freedom tech and building on Bitcoin, I think the beauty of it is mm, being permissionless. I think even as um, in my experience with Machangura now, and a lot of times I've had to recalibrate because it's so easy to forget that you don't have to ask for permission. Yeah. And there's an expectation from everyone that you should ask for permission, that you should be regulated because that is the easier thing to do. And being permissionless, censorship resistant and decentralized is weird in the sense that anyone should be able to do what you're doing so that you don't have the target on your back alone right so i think ray spoke about this in a talk he gave at adopting bitcoin cape town that if we all stood up then you know it's much easier to do the right thing and go against the grain but um yeah freedom tech for me is just one of the weirdest things and i think what i'd like to see in the space is more and more people understanding that everything you build can be fully decentralized. Um, We have Nostra now. Nostra is great, but we are not seeing enough being built on top of Nostra. And if we're going to have a future, we are going to need Nostra and Nostra apps to be dope. Dope You know everything there ever was and everything there ever will be at the current moment every time i'm on nostra i'm like ah it's so sad there's nothing new to see on nostra and then i go back on twitter and by see i don't mean notes uh, my feed has a lot of notes uh, but in terms of the ux and the ui i'm like ah they could have you know pushed the boundary in some way shape or form and yeah, but the good news is uh, I think at some point those um developers from developing nations I we were talking about earlier are gonna find Nostra and they're gonna build the weirdest things that they could possibly build because Nostra allows them to build them, right? And then we're gonna see what's happening. Right? But sadly, most of them don't believe that they are in a position to actually build it out. So um, Yeah, we need more of the first matrix to happen in the space. Like we need a Morpheus. We need a Trinity. We need the whole gang to just go out and unplug people from the matrix. And um, I think one of the things I've reiterated a lot of the times, especially in the first year of Machangura, is that uh, people should quit their fiat jobs and, um, you know, build on Bitcoin. Right. CBDCs even are not an issue if the best talent is not working on a CBDC, right? So if then... the um, they uh, fund companies to build on the cbdc's and attract the best talent then of course cbdc's become a threat but as long as a fiat jeff is not working on a cbdc as long as um roy from breeze is not working on a cbdc we don't have anything to worry about we have the best talent and um Mm. then the culture will catch up the culture will then know oh those guys are Doing a lot of interesting things that we should actually be paying attention to and yeah
1: i I love that it's a it it is something that uh makes me feel uh better and very hopeful that as you said the right now the smartest people the most creative people are building in and around and on bitcoin they're mm-hmm. the people that are a uh, you know because that's what they're attracted to right the people who are building on or will build on cbdc infrastructure uh whether it's you know for a specific government or through the bank of international settlements or whatever or it's you know the guys at uh you know JP Morgan building out you know their private blockchain solutions those are the people that are in it for the wrong reasons maybe the reason you know is just they JP Morgan's paying them a lot of money to work on that okay whatever but the people who are that i see like yourself um uh like uh like fiat Joff, you, you know the the list goes on and on who are building on bitcoin or building on noser these are the people that actually really care and really give a shit about the building the future that they want to see they're not willing to let somebody else determine what the future is going to look like. They're saying, "I don't like the way things are going. I want the future to look different." And so, you know, if not if not me, then who? And you, right. you know, the beauty is you don't have to ask for permission once you get to that point where you say, "Yeah, I am going to do this." Well, it's permissionless. Nobody can stop you and you can just build. And that's right. that is such a strong and powerful thing that we have going in the, you know, general, let's say open source open protocol uh, space is that people don't have to ask for permission. So if they are attracted to building a different future than the one that would otherwise exist, they can mm-hmm. do it and no one yeah. can stop them. You know, that's yeah, that's a, that's something that gives me a lot of hope.
0: Yes, and I think to add to that, the other thing is to not think there should be a transitory period. Uh, yes of course there will be a period where we are transitioning from bitcoin and whatever else man from fiat and bitcoin uh, and oh uh, from fiat to bitcoin but you could do it you could make it happen overnight right like El Salvador already showed us that yo um bitcoin can become legal tender overnight right and micro strategy showed us that oh Public companies can be on the Bitcoin standard overnight as well, um, but what is sad for me is, as great as Al Salvador's doing, as great as Macro Strategies doing, as great as maybe I am doing, right? we are not seeing new mm, entrants. Just you know, copying. Um, th- th- what they're seeing, like, oh, th- those guys are doing something that works. Let's do that, right? And people or the general public are so swayed by the new and the hip that they then see a failed playbook. A failed playbook in this case is Ordinals, BRC Twenty, yada yada, blah blah blah. These are all things that have already failed, right? And then they just take the failed thing and put it on Bitcoin and sell that and then people are building on that and i'm like but guys this playbook i we we if you've been in for five years you've already seen it play out and it failed nfts if it at least failed two years ago so and they are still a current failure so you don't have to go back that far to see where this is all leading up to why is that so attractive to the minds of everyone. But I understand it's fiat, right? It's something, uh, seniorage. Uh, I think one of the um, papers Saifedean wrote was on seniorage and why seniorage is one of the most attractive things in the space. Um, Why drive chains fail, uh, why drive chains don't solve the issue that they say they solve is because if it's all on Bitcoin, your new own blockchain cannot have its own token. Right? So if you're building it, you cannot do the seniorage. Um, Ordinals, they do the seniorage in the weirdest way because they issue something for 10,000 sets and then say the sets are worth a million sets. And hey, the blockchain doesn't agree with that assessment. But as long as they can convince somebody else to do it, somebody else follows along. And yeah, so for me, I'm like, yeah, no, this is weird. And this is, it would have been better if we would be seeing people build on Bitcoin in a nice way, but we just not. And yeah, so um, that's where I'm like, okay, we need that first version of the matrix to come in.
1: (laughs) I, I think that's a really... A really interesting point just about some of this behavior uh whether it be ordinals b r c twenty uh you know drive chains, being a quest for seniorage right being mm-hmm. somewhat of a rent seeking behavior you know where you're mm-hmm. you're looking to extract value uh rather than create value. And, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that, okay, you want to do that? Fine. Do whatever you want. I don't, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stop you from doing it. You're free to do it. Uh, You know, but at, by the same uh, token, uh, let's at least be honest about what it is that, you know, you're doing there. The, the uh, idea of, you know, let's quote, uh, make, make Bitcoin fun again. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's a, a clever little marketing scheme. And if you have people who are willing to pay however many sats for your, uh, your NFT, good for you. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's fine. Uh, it probably isn't gonna work out so well for those people who bought it. Uh, it's gonna work out well for the people who issued it. They're gonna stack up a lot of sats. Uh, the people mm-hmm. who bought it, maybe not so much. Uh, but mm-hmm. okay, you know maybe some of those people need to learn the hard way that this is uh, uh this is as you said something that has has been tried and will probably be tried again but will probably continue to to fail in that way but i am yes. glad that there are people like yourself who are building out the things that really matter on top of bitcoin and trying to solve real genuine problems uh with real solutions that work not just for people in America but for people around the world. And so I, I want to thank you for that and again uh your your time is scarce. I uh, I know that uh any time you're spending here is time you're you're spending uh not with uh with your family or with uh you know building out amazing freedom tech. So I want to wrap things up a little bit but just to send people uh for the website it's 8333.mobi. Uh, I'll include the links Um, I'll include the link to uh, Machankor and yourself on Twitter. I'll include your Noster as well. Is there anything else people should check out or the website is a good place to start?
0: Yeah, no, the website is a great place to start. And yeah, thank you very much for having
1: me. And thank you for coming on. I I really enjoyed this. I'll get this episode out ASAP because I think there's a lot of stuff in here that people need to hear. And also the stuff that you're building is just really, really very cool. So thank you for sharing your scarce time with me. I appreciate it very much. And uh, looking forward to seeing you again in person, hopefully uh, hopefully at a conference sometime this year.
0: Most definitely, man. Most definitely. and Yeah. Um, hope you have a wonderful time with the family. And yeah, we'll meet. I hope to meet everyone in the family when we do meet. So yeah, um, have a great day
1: and that's a wrap on this bitcoin talk episode of the bitcoin podcast if you are a bitcoin only company interested in sponsoring another fucking bitcoin podcast head to bitcoinpodcast.net or hit me up on social media on noster head to primal.net slash walker and on twitter search for at walker america or at titcoin podcast you can also watch the video version of this show on X or on YouTube by going to youtube.com slash atwalkeramerica or rumble by searching for At America. Bitcoin is scarce. There will only ever be 21 million, but Bitcoin podcasts are abundant. So thank you for spending your scarce time to listen to another fucking Bitcoin podcast. Until next time, stay free.